0: Good evening, everyone. Often we, mostly we um, we practice Sarsin as a way of helping ourselves. We practice being present as a way of helping ourselves, which is fine. But the focus on this talk is how we may help others by being present. And I'll just relate to a couple of stories that I've conversations I had with some colleagues this week and draw some threads from it. Um, one of my colleagues works for a, um, a hospital um, in um, intensive care as a counsellor. And um, what's really inspiring in the practice is that in intensive care, um, people quite frequently die. Sometimes five people a day. in intensive care in a hospital and usually what the practices of hospitals have been is you if your relative has died or your husband wife has died they die you don't hear anything more from the hospital they they look after you medically um, but until recent times there's really no follow-up so what my colleagues job is is to uh, call the family Um, two weeks after their loved one had died and just check in with them as to whether they're okay. It's bereavement counselling, you know. And um, it's very, very simple, you know. It's not, not saying you've got a problem or anything, it's just checking in to see if there's anything you want. So it's really just listening to people's grief and extending that from a hospital, which must imagine must mean so much. To people who've been through that experience rather than just they go into hospital, they never come out again, and you never hear anything more from the hospital. Right? It brings compassion into an institution. Another conversation I had with a colleague, she was telling me about um, someone she met recently and, and um, read her book. And um, this the author of this book was on a plane going overseas and she was seated next to a businessman and they started chatting, you know, about various different things. And he was telling her a lot about his life. And then, then he asked her, what do you do? And she said, well, um, I'm, uh, I was sexually and physically abused as a child and I use my experience to help other people and I've written a book about it. And she said, and before you respond, I'd like to train you how to respond When someone says to you that they were sexually abused and physically abused, she said, all you've got to do is say, I'm very sorry to hear that. Mm -hmm. Very simple words. I'm very sorry to hear that. Mm -hmm. But in order to get to that simplicity, it requires some kind of work on ourselves. Often people drop something like that in a conversation around death or something as horrendous as sexual abuse or whatever, and they're kind of dumbstruck and they don't know how to respond. And they may feel embarrassed or they don't want to embarrass the other person. Or they might say, well, did you get the police involved? You know, Or something like that. Or they just skim past it, ignore it somehow and change the conversation. But to be able to be present to someone else especially around, you know, suffering, those kind, in a way which is simple and direct, is one of the most wonderful gifts that you can give other people. And what is the common theme in those two stories about my colleague who contacts families when their partner has died or um, someone who's disclosing that they were sexually abused and training someone to say, I'm sorry to hear that? The common denominator is being an empathic witness to other people's experience. And the research shows that when people are being traumatised by something in life and they had someone who was an empathic witness to their experience, their ability to heal from that experience is, is far, far, far greater. So there's a very healing quality in presence and in compassionate presence. And to go into Buddhist um, iconology, um, Avalokiteshvara is the Bodhisattva of compassion in Buddhism. Tends to take on a more female form, sometimes androgynous form, but female form. And she has many arms and many hands and many eyes and so on. And the word Avalokiteshvara translates as something like the one who hears the sounds of suffering in the world. But may I add a, another word in I don't know if it's a literal translation, but it gets the message across a lot better. The one who compassionately hears the sounds of suffering in the world. And Avalokiteshvara has all these hands, so she can do something to help. Sometimes we're in a position where other people are suffering and out of our presence to them, we actually do something to help them, give them food, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but often there's also, sometimes there's nothing that we can do. You know, like around grief, you know, someone's died, you can't bring them back. There's nothing you can do. And that's where Avalokiteshvara has... Um, eyes to see and ears to hear and so she just hears compassionately the sound of suffering she just sees compassionately the sound of suffering without having to add anything elaborate onto it doesn't have to fix anything that can't be fixed you know, cure something that can't be cured or ignore it mm-hmm. and um, that's how we can help by being present to other people and the way that you can be present to other people in their suffering in that simplicity is the capacity in which you have the same relationship with yourself. So not only can we be... That's where it's born out of. If we can't be an empathic witness to our own suffering, it's very difficult to be a, a, an empathic, compassionate witness to other people's suffering. How do we relate to our own suffering? Do we ignore it? Um, Do we ignore it in sarsin, we just sort of skim over it, it's not really happening? Do we try and fix it up? Mm -hmm. Or can we just, in the act of sarsin, when we're suffering, just be an empathic witness to the suffering? You don't need to do anything more than that. And it's out of that way that you relate to your own experience, that then we have a way of relating to others as well. So. So Sazen is not just about us, you know. it's about everything.